I'm glad to be here with you folks today. And uh, I, uh, it's a crazy winter, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. And uh, I, I tell you what, I, uh, I don't know what to think about all this stuff. But I, uh, I'm glad to be here with you guys. This, this actually is a, is a southern winter is what this is. Um, I remember walking out many times on Christmas morning, going outside, and it's 45 degrees in Atlanta. Amen. And uh, that's how it used to be all the time down there. But uh, I'm glad to be here. I, I love Brother Tommy. He's got a great family, a good fella. And uh, I, I'm, I was uh, speaking to someone not too long ago <clears throat> about uh, Baptist preachers in America. And I preached in over 300 Baptist churches here in America. And God's blessed me to open up doors for me. And I'm excited about that thankful for that. Uh, but can I tell you something? Uh, something that I've learned, okay? Uh, I'm going to give you this. This is something that would be my advice to you. If you find a good Baptist preacher, you better hang on to him for dear life. Amen. Uh, because they're coming few and far between. And Brother Tommy is one of those good Baptist preachers I like. I appreciate him. I got to stay in a nice hotel last night. Hallelujah. And uh, <clears throat> it's good to stay in a nice hotel where you don't fear for your life in the middle of the night. And uh, me and my wife were in a hotel one time in Kansas City, and a bunch of drunk guys banged on the door at 3 o'clock in the morning wondering why their key wouldn't work in my room. Amen. And uh, you, know, you want to talk about terrifying. Amen. Uh, that was pretty rough. But uh, And so I, I, I knocked on the door, and I said, well, get out of here. And they said, this is our room. What are you doing in our room? And I said, this ain't your room. And they said, oh, okay, sorry. And they went on. It was, it was awesome. So... Um, but uh, I, uh, I'm glad to be here and uh, glad for the opportunity to be here and be with you guys. I, uh, I am Southern. How many can tell that by how I talk? Amen. And uh, hallelujah. Well, um, I, I said this last night. I was, I was talking to somebody from Minnesota, and they said, does everybody like uh, where you live talk just like you? I said, yes. And I said, you can be surprised how many people in heaven talk just like this, too. Amen. And, uh, but I was thinking the other day, there's a, there's a Southern joke I haven't told in a long time. How many can, it, can I? Uh, let's have a vote here. How many would allow me to tell a good Southern? joke amen all right there was uh, there was two southern bumpkins all right and they, they were walking through the uh, through the forest and uh, they came upon this big old hole I mean there's like a, a 12 foot round hole there and they looked down that hole and they said man I've never seen a hole that big before my goodness and they looked over the side and uh, they were curious just like us rednecks are so one of them picked up a rock and said let's let's drop this down there and see how long it takes for it to hit the bottom so they they threw the rock over and they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they didn't hear anything. didn't even hit the bottom. They said, man, this hole must go down forever. And they said, well, let's throw something bigger down there. And they said, all right. So one of them found a, found a big old tree branch and picked up his big old tree branch, and they threw it down there, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And they said, man, they didn't hear nothing. So they said, all right, let's find something really big. Go find something real big. And one of them picked up, a, found a railroad tie about 15 foot uh, from, the t- from, the, uh, from the hole there. And they both picked up this big old heavy railroad tie, took both of them there. And they said, all right, we're going to toss it on three. One, two, three. And they tossed it. And they waited. And they waited. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this goat comes out of the woods, all right? This goat just comes screaming right between the two and, and jumps and whoa, jumps right down that hole. And they thought, what in the world was that all about? Okay. They were losing their mind. And uh, a few minutes later, some guy came through the woods and says, hey, uh, hey, you fellas, have y'all seen my goat? And they said, no, but there was a goat around here a few minutes ago who just came and jumped right down that hole. And they said, oh, no, that wasn't my goat. There's no way he could have jumped down that hole. I had him tied to a railroad tie. Amen. And uh, so <laughs> and uh, that's just a southern intellect for you. But uh, I, uh, that's terrible, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> Um, but I, I like telling jokes. Amen. And I, I don't I don't like 
somber people that are just, you know, boring. Some people have just enough religion to make them miserable. Amen. And, uh, and, and there's nothing spiritual about not liking humor. Uh, I remember a story years ago, this one preacher, he was a very somber personality. And he, he thought, you know, I'm really going to try to help my church by learning how to be funny. I'm going to try to study humor, try to study jokes. And so he went to a preacher's meeting because he knew there was a funny preacher going to preach there. And he said, all right, I'm going to, he got his pen and paper out. And he said, all these jokes that, I'm going to, that he tells, I'm going to write them down and I'm going to tell them at my church. Well, the preacher got up in the preacher's meeting and he said, uh, he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad to be here. Uh, my wife's here. And he pointed out his wife and he said, uh, he said, I love my wife, but I spent the best years of my life in the arms of another woman. And the whole crowd just said, <gasps> like that. And he said, yeah, and I call her mom to this day. Amen. And uh, so the guy's like, man, that was funny. I'm going to write that joke down. And so he wrote it down and he went back to his church that next Sunday. And he said, folks, he said, I love my wife. Uh, but uh, and this guy was really not good at telling jokes. He said, I love my wife. He said, but I spent the best years of my life in the arms of another woman. And his whole church just went, <gasps> and just panicked like that. And he panicked, okay? <laughs> and so they 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 went, <gasps> and he he panicked, and he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember her name. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I don't want to do that today to you, and uh, but I'm glad to be here. Uh, hallelujah, Amen. And uh, I'm glad to be. Can I tell you one more? I, I, I'm in the joke telling mood. Is that okay? And uh, I got a good joke for you. Uh, I, I've been praying today that God give me something to preach to you and uh, seeking God's will on what to preach. I'm reminded of the story years ago. There was a younger preacher that was kind of a, a, he was a really good preacher. He was really young and inexperienced, though. And he was asked to preach at a big conference. And what they did, they sat the big the, the young preacher up on the platform next to the older, more seasoned man of God. And what they were going to do, they were going to let the younger preacher preach and then after, give an invitation. And afterwards, they were going to let the older, seasoned man of God get up and preach. And, uh, the, and then they were going to have the service conclude the service. And the younger preacher uh, got up on the platform and he saw the big crowd that was there. There's thousands of people in this big conference, and he started shaking, nervous. I mean, just real, just his nerves were torn to pieces. And he's sitting there fidgeting, and the older preacher looks at him on the platform there and says, Son, are you okay? He said, No, sir, you don't understand. I'm nervous. My nerves are tore up. I don't know what I'm going to preach. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, this is a disaster. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be bad. I, I'm just nervous about this. And the older preacher said, Son, don't worry about it. God will give you something to preach. Don't worry about it. And so the younger preacher looked at him and said, Sir, no, you, you misunderstand. Um, I, I'm so nervous about preaching here today that I actually left my Bible and my notes in my car. And I, I'm about to preach here after the special here. I don't know what to do. And so the older preacher said, Son, don't worry about it. God will give you something to preach. And don't worry about it. You can use my Bible. And so he took his Bible and handed it to the younger preacher and said, Get up there and preach from my Bible. It'll be all right. God will give you something to preach. And so they called on the young preacher to preach. And got up there in the pulpit, and he uh, he opened up his Bible, and man, he preached the most beautiful three-point outline you ever heard in your life. I mean, it was homiletically correct, harmonetically correct, and it was really, really good. They said he gave an invitation, and people were coming to the altar, getting right with God, and weeping and crying, hugging each other, getting right with the Lord, getting right with each other. They said it was like a service like Pentecost. They said God moved in that place. It was unbelievable, and it was amazing. And the young preacher prayed and gave invitation, and he walked back to the older preacher there at the platform, and he said, Sir, thank you for letting me use your Bible. I certainly do appreciate that. And the older preacher had, I mean, his eyes were as big as saucers. He looked at that young preacher and said, Son, don't you realize what you just did to me? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, son, you took my Bible up there, opened up my Bible on that, pl- on that pulpit up there, and out fell my sermon on, on paper there, and you stood up there and preached word for word my sermon. He said, what am I supposed to do? 
And the younger preacher looked at him and said, don't worry about it. God will give you something to preach. Amen. <laughs> It'll be all right. And so, praying God give us something to preach this morning. But uh, I want you to pray for something this week. We, we have been, uh, we, this past few months I've been working trying to raise money. Uh, we have a youth camp out there in Kenya every year. And it starts today, actually, over there in Africa. They're, they're, actually, uh, they're actually well into it today. They're eight hours ahead over there. Uh, but our youth camp starts today. Uh, this, uh, last year we had well over, I think we had a 609 campers last year at our youth camp. And we had 490 of them get saved. Amen. And so for two $2,250. We, we did our youth camp last year. We just raised the money for that again. That is actually going to start, uh, it actually has started today. Uh, we raised $2,250 for that. We're expecting over 700 youth campers this year. And so if you'll pray about that and pray for that this week, that God will get a lot of those kids saved. That'd be wonderful. I'm praying that God allows us to see over 500 kids saved this year. That, wouldn't that be good? Amen. And uh, very excited about that. So let's do this. Take our Bibles to Acts chapter number 8 today. I'm praying that God give me something to preach this morning. Amen. And uh, I'm excited to be in missions. I think um, I think this is a great day to be a Christian. Amen. And uh, we, you say, well, what about all the wickedness around us? Well, when the when when the world is dark, the light of the gospel shines that much brighter. And I'm very excited to be a Christian in these days. Uh, people say, I wish I lived a hundred years ago. I, I I don't. I'm glad I live now. Amen. We have internet now and air conditioning now and and running water now. Glory to God and McDonald's now. Amen. And. Um, Hey, if you don't like that, you need to get saved. Amen. That's all i got to say. But Acts chapter number 8, if we can stand together for just a moment as we try to read the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter number 8. Uh, the Bible says here, uh, what we find here in the context is that Stephen just preached a very scathing sermon in Acts chapter number 7. He, he preached, man, he preached and let those guys have it. Amen. He was not even trying to be politically correct uh, in those days. Matter of fact, go to, go to Acts 7 verse 51. Uh, Stephen is preaching here. Just to give you context, and he says this, he said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Wow, he's, he's calling names. Amen. That's not politically correct. You can't win an election doing that. Um, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them which showed um, before of the coming of the just one, of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. Verse 54 says this, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Amen. By the way, can I say that Stephen preached the truth no matter what the truth was. Amen. And he didn't care who it offended. Uh, verse 54 says, when they, were cut, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed with him, uh, gnashed him, uh, gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they, get, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So Stephen preached his message here, and they stoned Stephen to death. They killed him with rocks, and they, distra- they tried to end his message and end his life. But can I tell you, you can destroy the body, but you can't destroy truth. Amen. Uh, you, can throw, you can do anything you want to, but you can't destroy truth. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says this, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there arose, uh, there, there was a great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And I want to preach to you on first century missions, first century missions today. And we'll see what God does in our hearts this morning. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I love you. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for uh, Brother Tommy McMurtry. And I do pray for him and pray that God, that you'd speak to our hearts today in this service. God, I do pray. I know that there's all different kinds of people, all different kinds of levels of spirituality, all different kinds of ages here. Uh, Lord, I know there's all different types. And, 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 and I know that the Bible has the answer to challenge us all to grow spiritually. And Lord, I do pray today that as we try to preach, God, that you'd illuminate our mind this morning. God, that you'd help us to see things off the pages of Scripture that will change our lives. God, that you'd help us to be pleasing to you in all things. And Lord, I do pray and ask you now that you just do a great work in my heart. As I try to preach, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you help my mind to think clearly and help my mouth to speak clearly. And I pray, Lord, for a good delivery of truth today. I pray that you'd remove distractions from our hearts, from our minds, and from this service today. And I pray that you would, uh, as we give an invitation here in a little while, Lord, may the altars be filled. May people decide that they're going to live for Christ, that they're going to give their life for something that matters, that they're going to give their life to something that's eternal. And God, to pray that you'd help us preach in the power and the touch of the Holy Ghost today. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what I see here in Acts 7 is that Stephen tries to preach the, the truth of these people, and uh, they don't want the truth. The Bible says in verse 57 of Acts 7, they, they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him uh, with one accord. So can I tell you this? Basically, Stephen is preaching the gospel to him, and the lost world literally sticks their fingers in their ear as he's trying to preach. And can I tell you that the world has not changed today? Amen. I remember it wasn't not too long ago there was a there was a man on TV that was talking about uh, the problems with uh, with uh, some sort of related with some sort of shooting in the inner city involving a police officer and a young man, and uh, he made the statement on CNN. He said the problem with this is not guns. The problem is the heart of the people uh, that are that what's the murder that's in the heart of people. And the only answer to that is to get people saved and convert them to Jesus Christ by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he was saying those that phrase the gospel of Jesus Christ, mysteriously, CNN cut his feed on live TV. Can you imagine that? Amen. Uh, did, did you know that uh, the head coach of Clemson uh, University, uh, the, the football coach there, number one in the nation right now, uh, they won a game and, uh, and, and they were excited about the game. And after the game, they were interviewing the, the head coach. And he said, you know, these guys are working real hard this year and we've been trying to get it done. And we just want to thank, we want to thank the Clemson nation. And we want to thank, first of all, most of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he said those words, ESPN pulled the plug on that feed right there. Amen. Can you imagine? We live in a world today that's no friend to God. Amen. And can I tell you that I, 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 I'm excited about the first coming of Christ, but I'm even more excited about the second coming of Christ. And I'm afraid that the reason most people are not excited about the second coming of Christ is because people are trying to uh, make this world something that it's never going to be. Amen. Can I tell you that our, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Amen. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger. I'm making a journey through this place, but my final destination is not here. 
And the best advice I could give you as a Christian today is don't get your roots too deep. Amen. Because you're pulling out before too very long. You're going to go to a heavenly land and you ought to be laid up treasures for that other place right now and investing in that. Uh, I'm a young man. They tell me right now, you said you need to invest in your retirement. Amen. And you need to invest in it now because if you invest in it now, you'll have more money down the road. But can I tell you, uh, that's good advice, but I would say better advice is you need to invest in your internal retirement. Amen. There's so many people pouring money by the thousands and the 401ks and all kinds of CDs and, and all whatever else you want to call all that. But can I tell you, if you have all your money tied up in this world and you don't have any money sent ahead, you're going to be a poor man at the judgment bar of Christ someday. Wow. That's good preaching, even if I am the one doing it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But one thing I see here, the character of these people, as I, I like to study history, and I, just, I love to especially study the Bible and the historical books in the Bible, uh, one thing I see in this, in this text is that this was a generation of people here that they shook the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were absolutely uh, relentless and would not be quiet about trying to get people saved uh, with the life that they had given with them. And so I see, th- I see three things in Acts chapter number 8 that I want to point out to you about the character of first century missions. Number one, I want to give you this, is that these people continued on despite their circumstances. Despite their circumstances. Look at me in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And notice this in verse number 3. It says, And as for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. And so what we find here is that in this text, that the apostle, or the the future apostle Paul, at this point he's not saved, his name is Saul. Uh, Saul is given a government contract and license to go around and start arresting people that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Can I tell you that I I, I am a political junkie. I like watching politics. I I love politics. And can I tell you uh, that uh, that I, I I'm not a fan of Barack Hussein Obama. Is that okay to say? All right, I, I I'm not here to be. I'm not running for office. I can say that. All right, I, I I'm not a fan of Barack Hussein Obama. I think the man has lied to the American people. Uh, when you stand up and say that you can have health care for the price of a cell phone payment, and then all of a sudden everybody loses their doctor, everybody loses their insurance, everybody's got to go on Obamacare, and now what what used to be three hundred dollars a month health care insurance is now twenty eight hundred dollars a month health care insurance. I, I I've never had a cell phone plan. That that was that much. Amen. Amen. And can I tell you that I, I, I'm, I don't like him. I, I'm, I'm not too hopeful about uh, anybody else coming up. There's a one or two that I like, but that's about it. Uh, uh, can I tell you that I, the political scene looks bad, but can I tell you the political scene that you and I are facing is nothing like the political scene these people were facing right here. Uh, can I tell you that Saul had full legal right, and matter of fact, was endorsed by the government to go door to door finding Christian people, and if he found Christian people, he threw them in jail. Let me put it this way to you, ladies. Uh, if your husband was a Christian, there was a good chance in those days that he would get up and go to work, and they'd arrest him at work, and you'd never see him again. And can I tell you, you'd have to raise your kids alone because your husband's in jail just because he got saved. That's what's going on in this scenario. Sir, let me put it to you this way. What, what would happen in these days is that you'd be at home and your wife would go off and she'd go to the grocery store and they'd find her at the grocery store and they'd throw her in jail and you'd never see your wife again. You, you never would. That's what was happening in these days. Uh, but can I tell you that these people, even though they were facing this, look what it says in verse number 4. 
It says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. What is those next three words? Preaching the word. Preaching the word. If these people were American Christians, they would have they would have been on uh, on doomsday preppers. Amen. They'd have gone they'd have gone underground. They'd they'd have holed up in Idaho somewhere, saying we're going to fight against the, the the federal government that's coming to get us. We're gonna we're gonna do all this. But can I tell you, these people didn't do that. These people, despite the fact that it was going to cost them everything, despite the fact that these folks were gonna were gonna lose everything if they publicly proclaimed Christ, no matter what, they went on preaching the gospel anyway. Amen. Can I tell you that these people continued on with the gospel and preaching the gospel despite their circumstances. Amen. Uh, Can I tell you this? I'm going to make a statement to you that getting people saved is more important than your personal comfort. Getting people saved and getting the gospel to people is more important than your personal comfort. We live in America today. Can I tell you something about American Christianity? American Christianity is the most, you are the most protected and pampered and rich Christians that ever walk the face of this planet. Can I tell you that uh, that it, someone did a study recently, and they said that if you have everybody's talking about these one percenters today, all right, you know the, we're against the one percenters. We're going to try to chop off the money of the one percenters. Uh, can I tell you that if you have a job and you make twenty thousand dollars a year or more, and you have one car in your driveway, you are in the top one percent of wealth in the world. So you're a one percenter too. And so you, you are a wealthy person. You have got health. You have got food. You have got a car. You've got a mode of transportation. You've got a TV. You have a couch. You, you are comfortable. But can I tell you that even despite all that, American Christianity oftentimes quits at the dumbest little things. Amen. Uh, can I tell you that these folks were facing persecution? They were facing jail time, but they went on and served God anyway, even though they knew it would cost them everything. Uh, can I tell you this? There's, there's something that I've found about serving the Lord. I, I've been in full-time ministry uh, for about seven years now. Can I tell you something? There never is a convenient time to do something for Jesus. There never is a convenient time to do something for Jesus. Uh, let me. Uh, when I was uh, getting married, I, I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, and I, I lived in that area. And I was uh, I uh, proposed to my wife. Uh, her name was Rebecca Sobe, and I liked her so much. I decided I was going to change her name to Rebecca Smith. Amen. Somebody say Amen right there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, so I, uh, I, we, I proposed to her, and thankfully she said yes, amen. I told her I had a lot of money, and we'd be really rich. I was a liar. And, um, and, uh, but she said yes, thank God. And uh, I worked with a man uh, at my job. He went to my church. And how many have ever known somebody that was just crazy? I mean, raise your hand. I, 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 look, the gospel, the churches are full of crazy people. I don't know why, but churches are full of crazy people. The gospel light attracts some strange bugs, amen. And uh, let's put it that way. But I, went to, I worked with this guy who went to church with me and he was just crazy and he came to me one day and he was an older man his name was Mike and uh, Mike came up to me one day and goes son you getting married I said yes sir and, uh, and I, I, I was, he always made me nervous amen and um, he said, I said yes sir he said son you gonna have babies I thought that this is way too personal man I'm nervous about this conversation and he said to me he said son let me give you some advice I said okay he said you're never going to be able to afford to have babies, so you may as well just have them anyway. <laughs> I thought, okay, all right. 
ah, this we I never had, just all of a sudden out of nowhere he just volunteered that advice to me. I thought, all right, praise the Lord. And, and can I tell you something? He 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 was right. <laughs> um, um, you you never can afford to have babies, so you may as well just have them anyway. But, uh, just I mean, we're, we're, we we uh, we just found out we're expecting our fourth baby. Don't tell nobody. I mean, we're uh, we're expecting our fourth baby, and I look at my bank account, and I just said, oh well, <laughs> let's just go ahead. It, it's worked out the past three. Amen. Let's just oh, have another one. Amen. I'm gonna be in debt forever, but that's gonna be okay. Amen. Uh, can I tell you that, that it's been true that you never can afford to have kids. You may as well just have them anyway. Uh, but can I tell you this also? You, you never really can afford to give to church, so you may as well just give on anyway. Amen. I meet so many people that say, I can't afford to tithe. Well, can I tell you, you'll never be able to afford to tithe. Amen. So you may as well just do it anyway. Uh, can I tell you, uh, when it comes to giving to missions, I, man, mission conference is a very uncomfortable time for people because people, I can see it in their eyes. There's this dread that comes over people when I talk about, you know, we need to increase our giving to missions. And I just see people just, oh. And I mean, it's like everybody in the crowd's having an aneurysm. Just, it's just bad. Well, how am I going to do it? Can I tell you, you're never going to be able to give to missions. You're never going to be able to afford that. So you may as well just do it anyway. <laughs> just go ahead and write the check. Even if it bounces, just do it anyway. Amen. And uh, just give. Just give. And, and look, look. Can I tell you, look, there's always going to be something. Okay? I've got about three things in my mind right now that need to happen at my house. I needed a new roof on my house right now. I, I desperately need a new roof. I tried to walk on my roof the other day, and I almost fell through my roof. Okay? Now, I'm, in the, I'm not a small person. I'm in the neighborhood of 200 pounds. Okay? And it's a big neighborhood. And so I, 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 understand, I understand what I was doing up there on that roof, but I almost fell through that roof. Okay? And I need a new roof. Can I, can I tell you that if I, I could probably have a new roof on my house uh, probably by spring of next year if I wasn't given to missions. But can I tell you, I just give to missions anyway because there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a reason not to. But can I tell you that, that, that the sign of true Christianity and a sign of true devotion is you just do it anyway. Amen. Uh, can I tell you, these folks, you look here in this text and, and this text shows an extreme example of this. These people are going to die. They were going to die if they preached Christ publicly. But they just did it anyway. You know why? Because there's always going to be something. Amen. And God, God preserved a lot of them. Amen. Uh, can I tell you that I, I met a preacher one time. Uh, he was a carpenter. And uh, he, he told me this. He said, he said, my number one priority in our church is missions. He said, I've made, I've made that number one. He said, there's been times that our faith promise has been low. He said, what I did is I took a few carpenter jobs and gave my check from the church to missions uh, to keep the missionary flow. He said, I, I'm willing to do it. He said, because I, I know that this is important, keeping the gospel out there and making sure that people can get the gospel. He said, he said this to me. He said, Spencer, he said, my, my priority is the gospel. And he said, I'm willing to do whatever I personally have to do to make sure that the gospel continues out into all the world. Amen. Boy, I'm, I'm on my first point already. Amen. I've I, I got three more to go. Amen. But that's all right. But can I tell you, these people continued on despite persecution. They continued on despite persecution. And can I tell you, there's always going to be something, so you may as well just go on anyway. Number two, let me give you this. Uh, these people, number two, they made the Great Commission their personal responsibility. They made the Great Commission their personal responsibility. Uh, look with me in, in the verse number one there. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. 
Notice this, they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So basically the persecution came and as a result, everybody just ran for their lives. I mean, they, they became, you want to talk about Syrian refugees. I mean, these people were, were Christian refugees and they were, just, they were just running for their lives and what they had on their back to get away from this persecution. But look what it says at the end of uh, verse number one there. The Bible says, except the apostles. So these people scattered abroad. They went everywhere. And look what it says in verse number 4. It says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. Can I tell you this? Nobody in that verse was an apostle. Can I tell you what happens in a lot of churches today? A lot of churches today, and the average church member expects the preacher to do all the evangelizing and the preacher to do all the soul winning and the missionaries to, do, to lead all the people to Christ. And, and they expect them to do it because they're not going to do it themselves. And can I tell you that that's not even scriptural at all. That, that, the, the problem is, is that this, I want, to, I want to say this to you and I want you to get this. We have subcontracted our responsibility to reach people to missionaries and to preachers. And then I met a preacher one time. He was he was talking to me, and he said uh, uh, he, he out, me and him were talking in the in the foyer of the church there. And a woman came up to him in the church and said uh, said uh, preacher, I need you to go see my my sister tomorrow. Can you go see my sister tomorrow? He said, Well, what for? And he, and she she said, Well, my sister's not saved, and and you need to go over there and get my sister saved. You need to do that, preacher. And the preacher stood there right to that woman's face and said, Ma'am, why don't you do that? And, and she said, well, preacher, that's what we pay you to do. <laughs> now, I'm sorry, but I mean, I thought I figured you'd have enough burden for your sister to go lead her to Christ yourself. I mean, call me crazy. But but can I tell you that it's everybody's job to get the gospel into all the world. Can I tell you in Acts chapter eight, verse four, it says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, can I tell you that uh, nobody in that text right there had a degree from a Bible college? Nobody in that text had been to seminary. Nobody in that text had studied Bible doctrine. Nobody in that text had, had taken a class on homiletics. Nobody in that class had, had, had been in, this, in any type of Bible chapel or nothing. These people were just new converts. They wanted to see people saved. And, and they went around preaching the Word of God. And the apostles stayed at Jerusalem. Can I tell you that if the Great Commission is going to happen, everybody has to have a part in it. Amen. Not just the preachers and not just the, the missionaries and the evangelists. Amen. Uh, can I tell you this? That uh, Look at me in verse number 5 of that chapter. The Bible says, and Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. You know who Philip was? Philip was a deacon. Philip was not the preacher. Philip was a deacon. When's the last time you ever saw a deacon lead a soul winning campaign or go out into a town and lead an evangelistic crusade? I've never seen one. I've never seen one in my lifetime. But that's what we find here in the Bible. So basically what this is, this was a layman-led missions revival. This was a deacon-led mission revival. And what happens is, is that the apostles stayed home and nobody, no, I mean, they did the job themselves. Amen. And can I tell you this, that if, if, if... The only people reaching folks in the world are missionaries. Can I tell you, the Great Commission will never happen. It never will happen. 
Uh, let me give you this to you. I was studying the other day trying to figure out the logistics and trying to figure out numbers. And I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not good at math. Uh, there, there's, there's basically three types of people in the world. There's those who are good at math and those who aren't. Okay. And, uh, and so I, that, that's where I am. I'm just not good at math. But I, I started looking up some stuff and I found this out. Uh, they, they say that in America, they say that there's 12,000 independent fundamental Baptist churches in, in the United States of America. Okay, and they say that the average independent Baptist church runs somewhere between 75 and 100 people. That's what they say the average independent Baptist church runs. Okay, let's say hypothetically that each independent Baptist church of all 12,000 supports fully supports one independent Baptist missionary. Okay, so what we have is we have an army of 12. Thousand missionaries, and these twelve thousand missionaries go all the way across the world, and we spread them abroad all across the globe. Uh, they say the people that study this kind of stuff say that a good missionary, a good missionary, a successful missionary, will reach somewhere around five thousand people in their lifetime. Five thousand people will get saved. So let's say, let's say this: we got we got twelve thousand missionary families. And these 12,000 missionary families go and they reach 5,000 people each. Can I tell you what that does for us? That gives us about 60 million people saved. Can I tell you that's less than 1% of the world's population? So if we have a great missionary movement where only the missionaries are reaching people with the gospel, then can I tell you it'll never be done. But let's say this hypothetically. Let's say that each of the 12,000 churches that we have here in America with 100 people inside of those churches, let's say that each of those 100 people in each of those 12,000 churches each reaches 5,000 people each. That means you reach 5,000, you reach 5,000, you reach 5,000, you, you, you. Each one of you reach 5,000 people. You know how many people that ends up being? That ends up being over 6 billion. So what I'm saying to you is that world evangelism is possible but it's not possible unless you do your part, too. Amen. So that's what, that's what it says here. These people made the Great Commission their individual responsibility. Number three, let me give you this and it will be done. And uh, how long have I been preaching? Amen. About 30 minutes. Okay. Number three, I want to give you this. These people, not only did they, did they continue on despite their circumstances, not only did they make the Great Commission their individual responsibility, but number three, these people were interested in reaching undesirable people. Undesirable people. Uh, can I tell you this? Look we in verse number 5. The Bible says, And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. What was the name of that place that he went to? He went down to Samaria. Go with me to John chapter number 4. I want to show this to you. <clears throat> there was a problem between the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other. They absolutely despised each other. And in um, John chapter number 4, we find here that Jesus is meeting, he's sitting on the well, and a woman comes up to him, a Samaritan woman, and, uh, and, and he speaks to her, and she's so surprised about it. Look at me in John chapter 4 and uh, verse number 7, it says this, uh, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Uh, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Uh, verse 9, there then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Can I tell you what this was? This was a racial problem amongst these people. 
There was racism amongst these people. And I believe there's a little bit of elitism too. But can I tell you this? That in Acts chapter 8 verse, verse 5, that Philip went down. And even though, even though there was a racial divide there, even though there was a social stigma on the Samaritans, even though they didn't like each other, Philip said, I'm going to reach them anyway. Amen. And can I tell you that that's, uh, that's a problem today in a lot of countries. I, I remember, um, and you remember it too, I remember 9-11 like it was yesterday. I, just, I remember where I was. I remember what I was wearing. I remember what I was doing that day. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, it, was, it was a scary time for me. I, it was terrible. And, uh, and I, I remember not long after 9-11, I got saved. Amen. I was scared to death of, of what was going to happen in the world. I really thought we were all going to die and the draft was going to be taken and we're going to go into a nuclear war and it was going to be terrible. I just thought it'd be, it, I did, I was scared to death. I really was. And, uh, and you probably were probably not that scared, but, uh, cause you're probably a little smarter than me, but, uh, um, I, uh, I was scared to death and just terrified of all that stuff. And, um, I remember I went to Bible college, got saved, and went to Bible college after that. And um, and by the way, thank God for people that still go to Bible college. Amen. I went to Bible college, and I remember a, a man stood up, and he, he he in Bible college, and he said uh, he said God's called me to go to France to be a missionary. And he went overseas. He he went traveling the country trying to raise money to go to France to be a missionary. And he came back, and he said, I can't raise any money to go to France. Now, y'all do remember in 2003, George Bush went into Afghanistan and there was one country in Western Europe that did not go with us. Anybody remember what that was? Okay. France did not go with us. It's funny, in World War II, we bailed them out of the Nazi occupation and uh, we lost a lot of soldiers. I mean, my grandfather personally knew a lot of guys that died on D-Day in Normandy, France there. Uh, we went in there and we bailed them out of that mess and then when we turn around, they, they won't go with us to war in 2003 and everybody was, everybody was mad. Amen. Y'all remember that? Is anybody around? Everybody, everybody was upset with France and, and I remember, uh, I remember uh, corporations were changing French fries to freedom fries. Amen. That's how, that's how how ridiculous we were about that. And I, I, I think I gained 15 pounds just being patriotic going buying freedom fries. Amen. And uh, with, with, with a little bit of uh, Wisconsin cheese on there too. Amen. And uh, it, was, it was, that was, those were good days. Amen. And, um, but um, that man, that man went on deputation trying to go to France during that time. And, uh, and he said he'd go into churches and people would laugh at him. You're going to go reach those French people, those yellow belly, yellow back French people. And he said a woman in the, in, in the foyer of the church met him and says, we ain't giving nothing and nobody going to go reach those sorry French people. And uh, he said he was in one church and the preacher stood up and said, you're going to France? He said, why don't you do this? Why don't you take the Statue of Liberty down, put it on a big barge and paint a big yellow streak up his back and take it to France with you? Amen. I thought to myself, wow. Amen. Look, can I tell you? Uh, can I tell you this as a Christian? I, I understand all that, and I look. Trust me, okay. My daddy had a lot of ugly things to say about the French people. And, uh, uh, my daddy is auto mechanic. We were lost. He's auto mechanic, blue collar man, and he was a man's man. And uh, lots of times, my daddy would come home with a big gash in his head, and I said, "Daddy, what happened to your head today?" And he said, "I got in a fight at work, busted some guy up." And, he, and I thought, "Why?" And I asked him why one time. He said, "Well, we went into the break room, and there was a box of Krispy Kreme donuts." there and there was only one of them left and he said uh, he said so I ate it and he said a guy came in there and realized I had ate it and he took a chair and smashed it over my head amen and I, and he said then I punched him in the face and it was over amen and uh, so that that was my daddy amen and uh, 
he said a lot of mean things about the French people that I, I wouldn't repeat. Amen. Uh, but can I tell you, as a Christian, we have a responsibility to reach people no matter who they are. Their souls, their souls, their souls. And even these ISIS people, even though they're terrible and they're monsters and they deserve to receive military action compliments of the red, white, and blue. Amen. They deserve all that. But they're still souls. And they still need to be saved. Can I tell you that the Muslim world is crying out today for somebody to help us? Somebody help me. Somebody, somebody help us. We need help. We need help. These people are monsters. Uh, this religion has, has caused our society to go down the tube. And we're scared. And those people need help. Where are they going to get it? They're going to get it from people like me and you. Can I, tell you the, can I tell you how to deal with Muslims? People ask me all the time, what about the Muslims over there in Kenya? Can I tell you how to deal with Muslims? You, you put them in a church service and you preach the devil out of them and they walk forward and get saved just like anybody else. Amen. What? Boy, that didn't go over real well. <laughs> can I tell you, if, if, if all you think about is just blowing them up, then you're probably not thinking scripturally. Can I tell you that we need to try to reach them with the gospel and then maybe after they get saved, blow them up after that. Amen. <laughs> Maybe, what was it, Obama dropped a bunch of flyers on a, on a city saying, uh, leave here in 45 minutes or you will be blown away. And they went through and they blew up a bunch of trucks. Can I tell you, we ought to drop gospel tracks on those towns first, amen, and then blow them up after that, hey, amen. Boy, I, I'm, I'm demented. I, I just really am. Um, but can I tell you that we ought to try to reach undesirable people. We ought to try to reach people that we don't like. Can I tell you that um, in November of 2001, there was a public school kid that walked into a church, Peachtree Road Baptist Church in Swanee, Georgia. He was 18 years old. He was a, he was a teenage drunk. He, his, his, his clothes smelled of cigar smoke. And he, uh, he was listening to heavy metal music, pulling into the church parking lot. And he walked into that church. And he, he, he smelled like a furnace. And he was, he was out of his mind living in sin, teenage drunk. And, and those people at that church, they, 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 they shook his hand and they hugged him and they loved him. And they, they bought him suits and they bought him a Bible and they told him that Jesus loved him. And they, they sang, they preached the truth to him. Amen. They told him, they told, they told him how it was, where he was. Amen. And uh, tried to love him and tried, they invited this boy over to their house and, and this guy was out of his mind. He was crazy. But can I tell you, this young guy got right with God and that young guy is preaching to you today. He bad. And can I tell you, you need to learn to see what people could be, not what they are right now. They said there was a master sculptor years ago and he would walk up to a piece of rock. They'd, he, they'd say he would just, he would buy big, big, gigantic 15 ton rocks and, and uh, he'd walk up to a rock and he'd, he'd look at it and say, you know what? Uh, that's not the one. He said, that one right there, that's the one. I can, just, I can see it. It's, it's going to be beautiful. And the guy that was loading up the rock to him said, you know, you said this rock's going to be beautiful. He said, well, how, how do you say that? It's just a rock, man. It's just, it's, it's just a piece of stone. And the artist said, you know, I, don't, I see what it is now, but I, I'm seeing more than that. I'm seeing what it's going to be when I'm finished with it. And can I tell you, that's what you need to see when you see people that you don't like, people that are drunk on your job. You know, there's people that, there's people that you work with that are monsters that could, if you would just get a burden for them and go get them saved, they could be some of the best church members that this church has ever seen. But you've got to learn to see what they could be, not what they are right now. I'll close with this story. I, um, and and being, being a Baptist preacher, that means nothing. But I'm going to tell you that I'm going to close this story. Matter of fact, I'm going to do this. I'm going to close my Bible just to give you hope. Amen. And, um, right there. Okay, there it is. Amen. And my Bible's closed. 
Um, I was in a uh, I was in a church in in the metro Atlanta area, and uh, the, the preacher sat me on the platform. And uh, this is one of those camp meeting churches. Okay, I'm talking about like during the announcements they shout. Okay, I mean, woo, amen. You know, preacher would get up and say, "All right, we're gonna have a bake sale for the Christian school on March the 11th." Woo, glory for the bake sale, amen. That kind of stuff. And all they got to do is, is sing uh, "Amazing Grace," and people are running the aisles all over the place. I mean, it, it's awesome, amen. And uh, I, I loved it. I'm sitting there on the platform, and and up there, and 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 uh, me and the preacher are just sitting there, and and um, and we're watching. There's a woman in the in the in the pulpit. She was singing a special, and uh, and and there was a woman over on this side. Uh, her name was Rhonda, and and Rhonda was just standing up there waving her hanky, just Woo! like that, shouting and crying. Some of you have never done that before, Amen. Uh, look, if you don't like that, trust me, don't go to heaven, Amen. Because when you go to heaven and you realize all this was real and your faith becomes sight, you're going to lose your mind, Amen. And just trust me, it's going to happen, Amen. And uh, I know I know where I'm at, but I'm I'm telling you the truth. And so Ron just got woo like that. And uh, and I'm sitting over there, and, and I'm watching Rhonda have a fit. I mean, her hair was falling down out of her bun and everything. I mean, she embarrassed herself in front of God and everybody. And um, it was it was awesome. And uh, preacher leaned over to me and said, he said, "You see that woman over there?" I said, "Yeah, I think everybody sees her." And um, he said, uh, "He said that's Rhonda." I said, "Okay." He goes, "You don't know anything about Rhonda, do you?" I said, "No, I don't. I don't know nothing about Rhonda." He said, "Let me tell you a story about Rhonda." He said, "About, about three years ago." I was pulling behind Kroger. He said there was a woman laying on the ground behind Kroger. She was homeless and she was a heroin addict. And I went and talked to her and tried to give her the gospel. And she got saved. And her name was Rhonda. He said, that's Rhonda back there shouting right now. I said, really? He goes, yep. He said, Rhonda got saved and got off heroin and got a job. And she's getting married in a few months. And she was like 26, okay? And she was just, was just loving the Lord and getting just excited about Jesus. And, and he said, he said if, if we hadn't gotten Rhonda out from behind that Kroger, uh, then I don't know where she'd probably be dead right now. Amen. And he said, by the way, she works at that Kroger that we found her behind on, uh, out of her mind on heroin. On. Amen. Can I tell you that uh, most churches would not dare bring someone like that into their church? Because, you know, you know what's funny? What I find is that churches get, get into this rut where we like to reach people that are just like us. I, I, it's, I get tickled to how many preachers are still waiting on their millionaire to come walk in the door. Can I tell you? He ain't coming. Amen. There's another guy on this side, is, and uh, he started shouting too, and he started testifying. And he'd, he'd, test, he'd say some of the goofiest stuff while he's testifying. He said, he said, hey, church, I just want to thank the Lord that I'm saved, and I want to thank the Lord that I live in a land where you can go and buy mustard on the shelf at Kroger for free, or for $2.59. God bless you. Amen. Sit down. I don't know. I like mustard, but my goodness, man. I mean, he, he just, he was excited about mustard. And he, he and he, he shouted all church service and excited. And, uh, preacher said, to, he said, you see that guy over there? I said, yeah. He said, that's Jimmy. I said, okay. He said, yeah, Jimmy was in jail for 15 years for assault and battery, kidnapping. He named a bunch of stuff he had done. He said, but you know what's funny? He said, one of our guys in our church worked at the jail and got a burden for Jimmy and told Jimmy he had to be saved. He said, Jimmy, Jimmy got saved, and as soon as he got out of jail, he stayed here in this area and got him a job, and he's been going to church. I'm talking about this guy was wearing a suit and tie. I mean, he was a good independent fundamental premium of King James and all the Bible in Baptist because he was wearing a suit and he was wearing a white 
white shirt too. Amen. And uh, because that's some unwritten rule in the Bible somewhere, you have to wear a white shirt. But can I tell you, this man was reaching people that were undesirable. He was reaching folks that didn't have any money. He was reaching folks that had a social stigma on them. You cannot put it to you this way. He was reaching everybody who would listen. And that's so unlike us today. My kids are at home today. And they're in Sunday school. Well, they're not in Sunday school right now. Well, they probably are actually in Sunday school right now. And uh, can I tell you this? There's two people that teach my kids in Sunday school. Their name are Holly and John Fisher. Holly and John Fisher were drug addicts. And they got saved. And neither one of them can buy a gun because they're both felons. They got, I mean, they got, a, they got, they have a rap sheet as long as a roll of toilet paper. I mean, it's just, I mean, they've done everything you can imagine. But you know what they're doing? They're teaching my kids Sunday school today. You say you would let them, you would let criminals teach your kids the gospel? Sure would. You know why? Because I believe in the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, and I, I, hey, I'd rather have them teach it. My kids and anybody else in that church. Amen. Can I tell you, let's bow our heads today and close our eyes and 